0: So go to Amazon on March 8th, and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late, and you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Now, welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon, and we are here to show hope and unlock your true potential. And It starts on the inside, and our guest today is none other than the author of Empower Your Inner Millionaire, Chris McCarron. And she is going to serve us today and give us a lot of the backstory and maybe some coaching and some feedback. It's going to be a great episode So I welcome you. Chris, how are you today?
1: Thank you so much, Matt. I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to be here with you and all your listeners.
0: Oh, what a great... Thank you. Thank you. That's kind of a trap I set for people. So how are you today? I'm I'm good. How are you? And I love it. You didn't take the bait. You shared a great answer. I love your energy. I first got to start. I know that everyone can see, but Chris has the most amazing background. She's got this amazing picture. There's a globe back here, like a, the picture of the entire world in multiple colors and plants. And it's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Because it's just so fascinating. Sure.
1: So my whole space, I don't want to make this my whole life story, but right now I have just started a co-working community. And I had the whole building well, the whole unit feng shui so that I could paint them the right colors. So if you walk through the halls, like everything's a color that's associated with that particular part, that particular region or whatever you call it in the feng shui, Bagua. And this happens to be the helpful people travel area. So I'm putting like fun travel stuff in here. And yeah, I'm into that kind of thing, you know, among others, (laughs) among other
0: things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful background, and I wanted to start off with that. Let's dive in deep down the rabbit hole to kick things off. I'd love to ask you, like we ask every guest, just what is the hardest challenge? And you can go back to yesterday or go back to childhood and help us understand what is the hardest challenge that comes to mind that you can share with us today, Chris?
1: I'm 60, right? So you don't get to 60 without going through some significant stuff or at least some memorable experiences. So it was tough for me to leave my marriage. That was kind of a tough decision, right? But I think lately, because that didn't happen recently, that was when I was 25, long time ago, ancient history. But recently, it was kind of hard for me to turn 50, (laughs) which is 10 years ago now. I've got some experience with that. But I wasn't ready. It sort of snuck up on me and I felt like I was a completely, like, I just wasn't where I wanted to be at that age, right? I just felt like I was a total loser. And yeah, it actually took going to my aunt's hundredth birthday party about three weeks later to get me to refocus and realize that it wasn't too late and I didn't have to just go hide in a corner somewhere and wait to die.
0: (laughs) Wow. Thank you for sharing that, because I think a lot of us might be able to resonate with what you're saying, because I am nearly 50, and I don't want to call it a midlife crisis. I will call it, I am very aware of age now more than before, when literally my daughter, who's six, when she was filling out this form for school, it says, how old are your parents? And it said my wife's age, and for dad, it said old. So I was like, what? Oh my gosh. And that's making light of it. And at the same time, yeah, I think this is a very real thing. We hit these certain milestones in life. So you got there and help us understand what that felt like in that time. And then walk us forward, please.
1: Yeah. So I was living in a sort of what you think of as a dorm experience. I had several roommates. I did not own the property where I lived. Someone else did much younger than me. <laughs> And I had a bedroom. I had my own bathroom, which was a good thing. But there were two couples and two singles, me being one of the singles. Everyone else there was definitely under 30, probably under 25. And that was my life. I didn't feel like I could afford to live anywhere else. I wasn't doing a good job at anything in particular. And I just really didn't know. I don't know. I was just going through the motions, I guess. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like I'm 50 and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't have time to make it right. I don't have time to make something in my life. Now I just, retirement's right around the corner. <laughs> I just have nothing. I'm nothing, right? It was, it was pretty bad. I've always had like lists and things that I want to do and I'm going to do. And I'm always going to be retired by 55 and blah, blah, blah. And I, I was just nowhere near that. Yeah. Didn't know what to do next. And then as I was sort of wallowing in self-pity, I get this invitation to attend my aunt's hundredth birthday party. And I hadn't seen her for a while. And I thought, okay, that's going to be really boring. But I walk in there into my cousin's house and my aunt is sitting at this table. She's got a little Diamante tiara. She's got a sash that says 100th birthday. And I'm looking at her, everyone that who walks in, she knows who they are. She knows their birthday, their husband, their spouse, their anniversary, like everything. She had everything right at the top of her head. She did oil painting. She was still painting. She painted till she was 103. And I remember so vividly just standing across the room and looking at her and it just like, boom, like hit me like, you have 50 more years. If this is what 100 looks like, you have 50 more years to figure this out. You have 50 more years to get this right. And so I was like, yeah, but that was my wake up call. And I sort of said to myself, but you don't have forever. So get going.
0: (laughs) Wow. So that was a big turning point that you felt down and you were in a lower place because you hadn't accomplished the things that you had wanted to yet. And You went there and wake up. So what happened in the next 24 hours, the next week? Just chronicle for us a little bit of that timeline of after that moment hit you, Chris.
1: I had already been working with a coach, although obviously not very successfully on my part. But one of her things was to write your obituary. And I thought, okay, this is probably a good thing because it forces you to think about how you want to be remembered how you want people to talk about you later right? when you're gone. And so I put a lot of time and energy into doing that and really thinking about what kind of person I wanted to be. And really, once you've done that, it's not that difficult to work backward and figure out who you need to be today in order to be that person, assuming that you've given yourself some, which I did give myself some pretty lofty goals. It's a little different than goal setting because it is potentially so long-term. But it just forces you to think about, like, what's really important to me, right? I want to have traveled to every country in the world. By the time I die, I want to have given millions of dollars to the arts in my community. Those kinds of things where am I going to wait until I'm what age to start donating money to the arts in my community, right? I mean, I kind of have to start this afternoon because you don't know how long you have. And I have to be more intentional about traveling. I have to be more intentional about finances and taking care of my you know, nephew. I don't have any children of my own. So it's just my nephew. And I felt like I wanted him to have comfort. Not that his parents couldn't or wouldn't do that for him, but a little extra comfort, And then I do know some things. That was the other thing is that I was real underachiever at that time. I knew a lot of things. I'd had a lot of experiences and I had got far enough to make a big mistake, but not far enough to learn from the mistake and move forward. So that was the next thing that I started doing is like, okay, yeah, you totally sucked at that. Let's try it again now with that new wisdom.
0: Okay. Okay. So you were able to write the obituary. You just shared a couple things, travel every country in the world, donate millions to the arts in your community. So you started to get a picture of who you wanted to be by the obituary and you weren't that person yet. What was holding you back at that time?
1: Just negative beliefs, limiting beliefs, negative self-talk. And you know, it's funny because I came from sort of a lower middle-class background and... A school where it wasn't a good thing to be smart, you know, that sort of thing that a lot of us grow up with, right? When you're young, people don't want you to shine. They kind of get shot down, right, by your fellow kids in school. But I mean, most people get over it. (laughs) But I had a real fear, I guess you could call it a fear of being alone at the top of the mountain with no one around, no friends, no one to relate to. I already felt pretty strongly that I didn't relate to a lot of the people in my life, but that's what happens, right? You've got to find your tribe. You've got to find people who think the way you do, who are going to challenge you and excite you and get you fired up about things. And if you don't have that, you can think you're a superstar when you're actually doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So
0: Well, I appreciate your story so much because I know that there are people listening who will deeply resonate with the idea that I can be doing more or I should be here by now and I'm not. And I have some self-limiting beliefs or narratives and maybe it's friends or maybe it's some belief. So what I'm trying to say to our listeners is that there is a way, and Chris is going to help us see one possible way that you, dear listener, may take that action to get there. So take us forward from, you wrote the obituary, what starts to unfold next that you have this idea of who you want to become?
1: I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be a real estate investor. Real estate investing is one of the things I had tried and failed at because I was too whatever too stupid, egotistical, too afraid to look stupid, whatever. I didn't ask for any help. So I'd made all kinds of mistakes at the top of the market. And like the next day, the property values went way
0: down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can relate.
1: (laughs) So I just thought, I'm just no good at this. I'm just not good at real estate investing. And I left it and I was like, okay, well, that's it. And I thought, you know what? It always nagged at me. I always felt like that was something I could do and should be able to do. And so I just said, try it again, Chris, just try it again. And I didn't have much money, but luckily at that point it was the bottom of the market. And so I was able to buy a piece of property not because I had great credit, because my credit was horrible, not because I'd saved a ton of money because I hadn't, but because I just had good friends who were willing to give me some money to get behind me and basically allow me to get that first foothold. And anybody can do that actually, you know, other people's money. It's OPM. You hear about that all the time. If you listen to podcasts that talk about money and a lot of times, especially when you're starting that other people's money should be somebody that you know, because otherwise who else is going to trust you to do stuff? So...
0: Yeah. So they believed in you enough to help you get started. How did you muster the courage to go and ask for that and to engage in that first conversation with your friends?
1: They actually started it. It's funny, you know, when they say when you're ready for something, it disappears, right? When you're open to things. And so we were just talking about investing and where was I living and what was I doing? And I think that my friend wanted to give me a little bit of a push because I think she saw that I was... Living like a complete loser. So she started the conversation, and I was like, Well, you know, I can't, I don't have a ton of money, whatever, I don't have good credit. Like, I just listed all the reasons why I couldn't do it, right? Here's all these really good reasons why I can't be successful. But as anyone could, you just, you can shoot them all down and find reasons why you can be successful. So that is basically what happened. And the funny thing was that she had offered to co sign the loan for me. But because of weird things with Bank of America, it was a foreclosed property. Bank of America was the lien holder, but they were also the lender. And they were like fighting with each other. And anyway, long story short, in the end, my parents ended up loaning me the money, which I hadn't ever thought to ask them either. But my sister had asked for money and then she didn't need it. And my mother said, Oh, I've got this money and I don't know if we should just put it in the bank or whatever. And I'm like, You have all that money sitting there. Why don't I take it and buy this place? You know? And that, how it all just got started once you stop telling the universe the millions of reasons why you cannot possibly do what you want to do and get all that bs out of the way then it's like you're opening the floodgates and all these great opportunities just start coming to you and that's basically what happened
0: wow so the first domino is that first property yeah and what happened then
1: So my friend who didn't get to invest with me that time, and by this time I had some money, I had fixed up that house. I was living in it. It was really looking good. So I didn't have anything to beat myself up as far as (laughs) you know, I did a lot of the work myself. So that's sort of a self-torture thing. (laughs) But
0: Uh, (laughs) were you handy at all? Did you like when you were starting to fix things up? Yeah.
1: My dad, actually, when I was growing up, he always let me help him do stuff. Like we fixed my car one time, you know, he was a bricklayer and sometimes during the summer I would work for him. And so I did have some handiness and I was already a real estate agent, but I was just doing rentals and I was really horrible at it. But then all of a sudden, I started selling properties and money started to come in and I was like, oh, I have this money and I really want to do another investment. So my friend who didn't get to do it the last time was like, I still really want to do this. And I said, okay. And I didn't want to buy in any of the communities where I could afford to buy because those were where there was drugs and you it just wasn't a good scene. So I was like, hey, you know what? Why don't I do an Airbnb property? Then I can go there and have a good time and also have the opportunity to make some money. So that's what we did, myself and two friends ended up purchasing a fixer-upper in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and they stayed invested for a year. And then by then, the house was fixed up, and I was able to refinance, take out more money than I had paid for it, pay everybody back, had money in my pocket. And I was like, that's the way it's supposed to work. What? Yeah, so that was basically a burr. BRRRR, right?
0: <laughs> BRRR, that's right. Yes, yes. Okay. So you're up to two properties now. And you said a minute ago, once you stop telling the universe all the reasons you can't do it, then things start to happen. The universe conspires to help you. How are you doing at that moment that you're on two properties so far? And how is your inner narrative? How is that progressing?
1: It was definitely improving. I felt like I I knew I could be successful at short-term rentals because I've always been sort of customer service focused. And I feel like that's what's important, right? People are on vacation. They want you to just think about what they would want, what they would need and just have it there for them, right? And I got to the point where I could start to buy other properties. I had equity in the property, so I was able to borrow against them and I had paid off my first property. And then I ended up selling that one and taking some of the money to buy another piece of property. And that was always my thought that I had never executed, that you buy a piece of property, sell it, and then you use that money to buy two properties, one to live in, one to invest, and then you sell one again, keep selling one and buying two, which is what I started doing. Hey, it worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And on that journey of starting to do that, what kind of mistakes did you make in the beginning for those first new properties?
1: I guess just thinking I could do everything myself still not wanting to hire people to help me, not wanting to ask people to help me. And that's, I'm like totally over that now. That's actually a really big thing. If people are doing that, if they're just like, no, I can do it. You know, I don't need any help, whatever. Let me just tell you how liberating it is. Just say, hey, why don't you do it? And to trust people and you're basically multiplying your own abilities because you can supervise these other people who are doing the work for you. And it's just so much better. But why didn't I always do that? Limiting beliefs, right? That scarcity mindset. There's not enough money. I don't have enough money to hire somebody, blah, 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 blah. And the funny thing about money, I heard this somewhere. Someone said money is a liquid asset. You know, you have to let it flow out and then it flows back in, It flows out and flows. And I'm like, So when I spend money, when I invest money, I think I'm letting it flow out, and it's going to flow back in. And I've found that to be the case. It's kind of miraculous when you just think I've only got this little bit, but if you let that go in faith and then it just like, Hey, comes back with some friends.
0: (laughs) I love that. And what I love about you the most so far, I'm just feeling this really calm, cool energy about it. Yeah. I experienced that. It was hard. I overcame it. And it's just this really cool countenance about you. I appreciate your temperament. So I wonder, where is the empire now? You started a decade ago when you were 50 in a challenging place. I guess I'd ask two questions. Can you tell us where your business is now? Can you tell us your mindset now? You've had 10 years of practice to do this.
1: So I have sold most of my properties. I felt like during COVID seemed like a great time to sell residential property. I mean, People were very happy to take it and I was very happy to take their money. And so that was a good thing. And I felt like it was a good time to buy commercial. So I've purchased a commercial property, which I'm turning into a co working community. And it's been so much fun. So much fun. The renovation, which was, I didn't do hardly anything myself. It's a big space, right? At first, I thought, oh, I can paint myself. I need to pay somebody to paint. And I painted like one room and I thought, okay, only like, 30 rooms to go. <laughs> Forget that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> that's not a winner. Let's
0: try <laughs> hiring
1: somebody. <laughs> yeah. So, fixed it all up, made it really a beautiful place for people to come, a community gathering place. And it was so fun doing like the branding and the right, all the like, let's pick a logo and the name and all these kind of things was a lot of fun. And that's kind of where I feel like I'm at right now. Retiring is like, that every morning you just do whatever the heck you want to do, right? It doesn't mean that you just play golf every day of your life.
0: right? (laughs) Well, maybe, hold on a second. Uh, You know, I love playing golf more than anything. I'm just kidding. I do like some golf. But yeah, what does that even mean in retirement nowadays? Because that used to be the so-called American dream is you retire at 65 and then you get to do what? exactly yeah well and now uh, it's fire how about you get to do it now what you're talking about you get to do it now yeah
1: exactly and for my podcast i've interviewed a bunch of really young people like they're retired oh i retired at 25 you know and i thought to them what are you gonna do for the next like 80 years
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah right so
1: yeah i'm sure their definition of like retirement is not the same as what we were thinking of right somebody who's just gonna be like i'm gonna join the garden club and i'm gonna play golf and i'm gonna right i mean i'd shoot myself I mean, That's just not my thing. I need to be active and doing stuff and using my head and just challenging myself. I feel that's what keeps me young. Absolutely. So that's my idea of retirement.
0: Yeah, I mean, there used to be a time when I was working in corporate America that I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I felt like if I do this for the next 30 or 40 years, I don't think I'll make it to this retirement thing. I'll probably die stressed out because I was already pretty stressed as a highly functioning workaholic and uh, perfectionist. So you have gotten to this place where you genuinely, when I see your bi-language and see the way that you talk about your commercial property in the co-gathering space, I mean, you kind of lit up. It doesn't feel like you're you're on the grind having to do it. It felt like a more natural place where you, you love it. And you went through this process to get there. It's the process that I'm super curious and interested if you could help us. How does one go from really hating where they are and feeling like a loser. I haven't gotten where I should be at this age to a place where they're at peace and they look like they love what they do. Now that's the secret sauce. It feels like to me, I'm curious how one might get there.
1: Well, it's interesting that you asked me that. Cause that's one of the things that I actually do in one of my other hats. <laughs> I have many hats. I'm a quick start, right? So I start <laughs> lots of stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is you're Colby then? All right, right. So the quick start. Okay, yes. quick start. Okay.
1: I really <laughs> like to start things. I love to start things. That's one of the things I do is to help women. Usually, they're in their at least their mid forties, going towards fifty or sixty, and they just felt like I did. That's it. I'm out of time. And in many cases, like I gave up my dreams to have a family or I put some things aside so that I could make money and contribute to the household. And now that that's not necessary anymore, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so getting people to reconnect with a dream that they had or something that's going to really light them up. And that's partly some self analysis, like what am I good at? What do I love doing? What's going to be something that's going to make me feel every day like oh, I cannot wait to get started today. I can't wait to get out there and do this thing. I've got all these 45 things running around in my head that I really want to do and blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's a lot of just introspection, I guess, and questions—asking questions. What are some components of some jobs that you've had in the past that you have really enjoyed? Because a lot of times it's like, even in your alco- in your alcoholic, in your workaholic days, right?
0: Was <laughs> alcoholic? Yeah, that <laughs> might apply in the past too. Yes, okay.
1: <laughs> but were there things about that job that you really enjoyed? Yeah, I really loved being with other people. I loved managing people or I loved the camaraderie of working as a team or, you know, it could be something that simple. You kind of pulling the strand to find out like, okay, what else? And what was it about that that you really enjoyed? And what kinds of things, what kind of feelings, what kind of people did you like working with and whatever? And the more questions and questions and the more deep we go into just understanding the sorts of things that really are fun for that person not just things that they're do well, just because you do something well, it doesn't mean that you're really going to love it, you know? And there's some things that are like out of the box. Like I talked to a lady the other day, she's in her, I want to say her late sixties and she's getting ordained. She'd always wanted to be a minister. She's now gone through the ordination process. And she and her husband had just relocated to where she was getting like, you have like a one year, almost like an internship. So she was, they had relocated for a year so that she could do that. And she was so excited and completely on fire. Like you could see it. She was, you know, really, really jazzed about finally being able to do this thing that she'd wanted to do since she was very young. She had kids, she got married, it just one thing led to another. And then the next thing you know, you're, oh shit, now I'm 60. What am I going to do? So there's something like that. And it might be like, oh, I really want to be a ballerina. And now that I'm 70, I can't do that anymore. But Maybe there's something, what was it about being a ballerina that was so exciting, right? The music, it was the freedom, it was the whatever. Yeah, you get to that place and you're like, okay, here's a foundation we can build on because even though maybe you don't want to do this thing anymore, you can't do this thing anymore, there's some aspect of that that can get built into a career and a life that you can really hang on to and it pulls you forward towards an exciting future instead of like just pushing yourself through this grind, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm curious if we connect the dot to as you continue to build or rebuild your foundation, why did you go into coaching and consulting? What is the draw or the reasoning that got you to that that draws out your passion now?
1: I don't think it was really my intention. It's kind of funny, again, like you just following the path. One of the people I interviewed for my podcast said that the reason she had become a coach was because she was helping people with financial matters, right? She was a financial planner. She was helping people with a big portion of their life, which was finance, and that she felt like that would help her to ask the right questions, to get them to a point where they could make great decisions about their financial future. At that moment, I got this little ding in my head, you know, that little, ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, pay attention here. And I said, well, I'm a real estate agent. I'm doing the same thing, right? I'm helping people make huge decisions. Very important. It's a lot harder than selling your shares and deciding you want to invest in a different company, right? This is a big deal. So I should also have my coaching certificate, right? I should know how to be a good coach so that I can ask the right questions as well. And so that started me on the path toward understanding how to be a coach And I was just going to use that skill to help people to make the right decisions in real estate. And I especially love working with new investors. So making the decision in real estate investing, that they're not going to make a mistake, right? That they've gone into it for the right reasons. And that if they have fears that we can talk through them and things like that. But the more I did it and the more I talked to people, I would have that coaching hat on when they said things like, I can't do that now. I'm too old. Oh, I can't start investing in real estate, I'm too old. And I was just like, that was me, but it's not true. Yeah. So I just wanted and love helping people to dispel that myth, that age myth that, I don't know, has been dumped onto us by whoever.
0: Yeah, exactly. By whoever. And yeah, I feel that maybe it's done to me by my daughter who said old on that daddy form that she filled out. But yes, that's my stuff. I find it fascinating that you are a quick start on the Colby assessment. And you have started a coaching consulting practice. You have started a co-gathering corporate real estate, like a space. Right. And Also, we can see that there's a book right here. You have a podcast. What are all the different areas that you've started that are filling your bucket where you're serving, Chris? Let us into some of these things.
1: Yeah, I think you listed a lot of them. I'm a real estate broker. I have the co-working space. I've got the book. I do help people to become real estate investors. I have two podcasts. I actually have my home improvement contractor's license, so I do help people when they are renovating their properties. I help them to do that to be basically the general contractor for them. What are we forgetting?
0: There's more. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot, and you're lit up right now. It's like a lot to fill your bucket and to be able to do what you love. Why did you write the book? And can you go on a little tangent here and tell us all about your book,
1: please? Sure. It's called "Empower Your Inner Millionaire: A Woman's Guide to Financial Independence Through Real Estate Investing." So you can kind of already tell what the point of it is. And it's really an intro guide to the different types of real estate investing. And that is kind of in response to people saying, oh, well, I don't know how to get started. So obviously they can buy the book and that tells them how to get started. But it also tells you about the different types of real estate investing, because when they think about real estate investing, normally they think of two different things. Either it's a fix and flip or it's a buy and hold, right? Those are the two options. So either I'm going to be fixing stuff up, which I don't know how to do, or I'm going to be changing toilets in the middle of the night or collecting rent from tenants, which I don't want to do. But there's so many different ways to invest in real estate that have nothing to do with ever picking up a hammer or (laughs) a toilet or anything else. And so I just wanted to educate people about some of those options. And actually, we developed this questionnaire that's on the website where you answer the questions. And in the end, it gives you an idea of what type of real estate investment might be good for you. Hmm.
0: Wow. What kind of criteria go into the, uh, the survey to help us figure that out?
1: Well, you've got basically three, kind of four components. So do you have any money already to invest? Because if you don't, it's okay, but you've got to do something different that probably involves a lot more time. And where do you you know, kind of your geographical region. So that's going to factor in housing prices, which again, not always a factor, but if you think you're going to work on it, obviously it should be within really a half hour of your house. Then there's the time that you need between when you start investing and when you hope to stop working, you know, when you hope to have this piece of property or pieces of property to support you to replace your income. And then there's how much time that you actually have in the day to do anything related to this kind of stuff. For example, if you don't have any money, you could do wholesaling, which basically involves finding people who want to sell their house and putting them together with somebody else who wants to buy it. And you just collect something in the middle. So you don't need to have any money to start. You're not actually buying anything. You're just collecting finder's fee, if you will. But that involves a lot of time, right? You're either going to call people or you're going to knock on doors or whatever. You know, it's no joke to be a wholesaler, right? Especially in the beginning when no one knows you and no one's going to call you and tell you they have a property for you, right? You you see the signs all over the place. We buy ugly houses, like that kind of thing. It's that idea and it takes time. So if you tell me I have no money, no time, and I live in Boston where the cheapest property is 800,000, I'm going to tell you, well, there's not a lot of hope for you right now. (laughs) You need to do (laughs)
0: something, right? (laughs) Real, hey, the truth. That's right, okay. Good. Can you hold the book up so we can see Sure, of
1: course. Thanks for being my marketing person. I appreciate that.
0: Oh no, it's a beautiful book. There are so many people out there that are on the bench when it comes to real estate or comes to any of their goals or dreams. And this is a path to help you get started on that. So that's one path is the book. Help us with the podcast. What are their names? And tell us a little bit about the shows,
1: please. Sure. The one I've been doing the longest is Get Your Phil, Financial Independence and Long Life. And the name kind of comes from the fact that I'm too old for fire, right? Nobody's going to be like really excited that I'm retiring at whatever the heck age I end up retiring. So instead of financial independence and retiring early, it's financial independence and long life because we're going for that <laughs> A living long option instead of the retiring early option. And I love the podcast myself, because I have been able to talk to so many fun, cool people. We're actually going into the fifth year. It's in over 60 countries. It's just a blast doing that podcast. I've had so many great conversations with people. I just love it. As you probably feel the same way about yours It's in somewhat a selfish (laughs) endeavor, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you never know who you're going to talk to. And it always goes in random different directions or straight direction. I mean, it, it can go anywhere. So yeah, I love that it's like that. And So you had that for five years. Wow. Five years ago when you started it, is it what you thought it was going to be? What's changed over time according to what you thought it might be?
1: It's funny because in the beginning I had trouble getting guests. And so there are these really lame, if you go way back to the beginning, there's a really lame, like solo episodes, or I would get a friend on there and we would like talk about something or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I'm not saying any of my guests were lame, but I could definitely appreciate that at the beginning. It's yeah, yeah. Cool.
1: I don't think I knew that I would stick with it so long. I don't think I knew what a great avenue it was going to be for, you know, again, bringing this to the universe to deliver people to me who were so cool and fun and interesting and had so much to teach. And I think better on my feet now, right? Because I never script them. I never know what anybody's going to say. I never know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Let me just talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can relate. Yeah, and y- The things that come out of our mouths sometimes. I know.
1: Yeah, like, oh, shit, should I say that? Oops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a moment in your show over the last five years where just – Things started to come out, and before you realize it, wow, I don't know if that was what we should have talked about, or it was just a shocking episode. What might be that episode for you and your show?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, you know, it's funny because we both have interviewed Justin Breen, and he's a really interesting guy. Sometimes it's hard because some people you wind them up and they'll talk for the whole hour and then you're like, okay, stop talking now, we got to go, you know. But he's not like that at all. You ask him a question and sometimes it's not uncommon for you to get a one word answer. <laughs> like, okay, yes. hold on a minute. <laughs> okay, now I got to ask another question. Oh, gee. So he said to me at one point, he looked at me with surprise and said, "That's a really good question." And you could tell he was shocked. <laughs> 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 but yes. yeah that's probably why we're still sort of friends because uh, I, I guess i surprised him but yeah there are some things where i didn't necessarily understand ahead of time going into the podcast like one woman asked to be on the podcast and i did a little googling and i said yeah sure come on i mean at that time i didn't have enough guests so i was like yeah i'll talk to your mother i don't care my mother <laughs> anybody but she was deaf she was a hard of hearing. And so it was interesting because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I mean, that's on me. I'm sure if I would have done more research, I probably could have found that out. But I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, but
1: I didn't Uh didn't pull enough out of her, as much interesting stuff out of her as I could have. But I felt like we had a pretty okay conversation. But I don't even know who the heck I've interviewed. All kinds of cool people.
0: What was your learning lesson from interviewing someone who's deaf? Because I'm sure that's going to come up at some point in the show. So how do you do that?
1: Yeah, she had hearing aids and she was reading my lips and stuff. But of course, you could tell by her voice that she had never really heard people speak and she didn't know how she sounded. Yeah, it was interesting. She did all the work, to be honest. There was nothing. I didn't do anything magical at all to make that interview work. It was all her. And I really applaud her for doing it. I'm sure what was outside of her comfort zone. And yeah, she's a pretty remarkable person.
0: Okay, well then let's go to podcast number two. <laughs> what is the uh, the theme of this one and why did you start the second podcast? Uh,
1: that's called <laughs> Women Creating Wealth and it's all about women and real estate investing. So you know why I started that one? Because I love helping women become real estate investors. And we talk about all different types of real estate investing. So again, it's not just buy and hold or fix and flip. And there's another way to say that which is really clever, which I can't think of. But, you know, so we talk about people who do syndication. We talk to people who just do hard money lending, who do any different aspect. I did a lot of episodes about short-term rentals because that was the original focus because I feel like that's an easy way and a kind of a fun way for women to get into real estate investing. And you can also do that also without any real capital if you just have a spare bedroom, right? Airbnb allows you to just rent your bedroom. And then that was my original focus was thinking of for women who maybe... They're no longer with their spouse for whatever reason and their kids are at school or they're gone or whatever. And now they've got this house and they would love to have a little extra money and they would love to have some help and some company, right? So a little money, a little company and a great and easy way to do that is just to open your home on Airbnb and invite in people from all over the world who are going to come and visit you and stay with you and pay you money.
0: Wow. Well, how long has that one been going? Women create wealth.
1: The next episode is 62. So it's a little over a year.
0: Wow. Five years on Get Your Fill, and now the first year year of the books, Women Creating Wealth, in addition to that, we didn't cover the contractor license yet. (laughs) So what part does that play in everything, having the contractor license and being handy?
1: Especially good when I'm walking through a property with people. There's just so many things that can be sitting there and you might not find out about them till you know, it's like a waste of time to put the property under agreement. And then you have the home inspector come and find out that it's got this problem, which oftentimes I can identify for you and just to point it out, right? Like, gee, this looks like it could be asbestos. You want to be aware of that. If it is, it doesn't look like it's in very good condition. So, Let's talk about the fact that you'd probably have to take that out and add that to your budget when you're thinking about whether you want to buy this property. And let's look at, you know, these pipes are old or leaking or whatever. You know, there's just lots of things that you can see when you've had properties that had problems or when you've been part of a renovation, home renovation, just to have an idea how much things are going to cost, although costs have gone up so much recently. And also, I think to help people to envision the property in a different way a lot of times people walk in and they just see what they see and that's what everybody else sees and that's why that property hasn't sold. But if you can just like, see it through other eyes and imagine what it could be, right? Like say, oh, but if this wall wasn't here and you could put a deck here and this could be this and, you know, it could look like this and that's going to go over here. And then you could make this thing, you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, huh. Okay. And you can buy that property for a discount when everything else is a bidding war. And then you can have an opportunity to put your own flavor into it, right? If you buy that house in a bidding war at the top of your budget You can't do anything to it for some years, right? Until you recap or resave some of the money that you spent to get that place. So it can be great if you can buy a property that isn't beautiful, right? That needs a little lipstick, needs a little help and to help people to see how it could look and see through my eyes to envision how it could be and even have an idea of what the budget might be to do something like that is very helpful for people who I work with, whether they're buying a home or an investment property.
0: Chris, can you help us? How do we find you and find all of your stuff? You mentioned a website earlier. Where are the social media places and what's your website where we can find out more about you?
1: I don't even know how many websites I have. I interviewed this guy one time. He said, my wife put me on a 12-step program for URLs. So I said, yeah, I can relate. I have so many domain names. (laughs) Dude, I can relate to that. Yeah. So the easy way is just my website, chrismccarron.com. So from there, you can go to the co working space, you can go to the real estate site, and you can go to the book site. And also, I have some online courses and stuff, but just go to chrismccarron.com. And if you are in like a sort of a geographer mode where you're ready to like do some digging and (laughs) you can find all kinds of cool stuff there. And for social media, Just look for my name, I guess, Christine McCarron, and you can find it's Beehive Brokerage, it's Beehive Coworking Community. But the easy thing is just to uh, go on the website.
0: (laughs) Make it simple. I love it. I love the ease at which it's so simple and easy to talk with you. And you have so much a wealth of knowledge and experience in everything real estate investing. And to remind our listeners, this is great to see where Chris is now, 10 years into this journey, this rebuilding or rebirth, so to speak. And just the energy that she gives off, it's real, it's authentic, it's genuine, and you can have that. You can when you work on your mental narrative, when you have something that you are working towards, some meaning, some purpose. I felt that. It's easy to be in a room with you. you. You talked about Justin a minute ago. The first time I was in the room with Justin, it took a little while. and Then I saw his brilliance, and it was easy to find yours quickly it's so easy to be around you
1: well because you're a great interviewer though you ask great questions you're very talented and you care you legitimately are curious about people which i think was one of the things that makes a great interviewer congratulations
0: well thank you well you make it easy you make it easy i would ask now that we go through the ding 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 go the lightning round here to wrap things up i would like to ask you a couple of questions and see what might come from this first question i know you've written books If there might be one or two books that you might recommend that have had an impact on your life, Chris, what might they be? One or two books that have impacted you?
1: I do read Think and Grow Rich two pages a night because when you try to speed read that, you just don't get it. So every night, two pages and then just like, oh, it's funny how they keep putting new stuff in that book. I don't understand it. It's the same actual physical book, but every time I read it, there's something new in there. I don't know how that happens. (laughs) There's another book that I read that I just loved, and it's more from the marketing and thinking about talking to people perspective. And I think it's called Making Stuff Sticky or something like that. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It has like a Band-Aid on the cover. Ideas That Stick, I think. Ideas That Stick. I have
0: that on the shelf right back there. It's a big orange book. I can see it. So yes, we do have that right back here. Ideas That Stick. I did.
1: I did. Playing Things was so fun.
0: I love that book. I love Think and Grow Rich. That one is one that I've read multiple times. It really sits in. And it's probably the most recommended book that we have on our show. And I mean, Success Leaves Clues, people. Listen to this. Another successful person saying Think and Grow Rich. So thank you for that. I'd go to a different place and ask you this. Is there a music, a musician, a specific song, anything in the music area that lights you up and fills your bucket, Chris?
1: Throughout life, right, different songs hit you at different times and things like that. I love songs I can sing along with. I love the Indigo Girls. The way they write, it's like they're poets, you know what I mean? Their turn of a phrase, the way they explain some things. And I just sometimes think, wow, you know, that's just so deep.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I love Spendigo Girls now. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love a little bit of Galileo back in the day, man. That was stuff When I was getting out of college, it was firing me up. I got that paper and I was free. Yeah, I love Spendigo Girls. So I'm with you on that. Thank you. Our last question. This is the Eternal Optimist podcast. And when I say the words Eternal Optimist, what might that mean to you?
1: Yeah, don't give up. When I was going through my divorce, we first tried marriage counseling the psychologist had us fill out these questionnaires ahead of time. So he looks at my results and he said, you're optimistic to the point of being naive. <laughs> like, you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, shit happens, right? Here's a good example. This afternoon before this call, before I had the opportunity to talk to you, I was putting together a Zen booth, which You don't need to know what that is. It was a construction project that I was working on and I was on a step stool and the step stool folded up. I apparently didn't open it enough and it folded up and I fell on my back and my neck was like folded in half against the wall and I was in a ton of pain and I just lay there and said, okay, this sucks. So I like scooched my legs down till my neck was laying flat on the floor and went through that. Can I move my fingers? Can I move my hands? Can I move my neck? And I was like, I mean, some people, right. Would have that experience and say, Oh my God. And then I went to my desk and I broke a glass of water all over the desk for a minute. I was like, who did I piss off here? What's going on? <laughs> but then I said, you can walk. Right. I did not break my neck just then. I'm going to the chiropractor after this, but like, yes, I'm in pain, but I am going to live, right? And I feel like that's optimism. Like, is the glass half empty? Is the glass half all right? That's so cliche. But at the end of the day, I find myself consistently looking at things in a way that allows me to see that they're really actually fantastic. You know, Tony Robbins and probably other people say, what if everything was happening for you, not to you? And it's true, right? When you start to see that and you just see the universe conspiring to be really cool to you, you know? And sometimes it really pays off. Like one day I was supposed to return something from Amazon and I realized, oh, I forgot to take a picture of the barcode and I couldn't bring up the app on my phone. So I turned around and just said, ah, oh, the heck with it, you know, whatever. And I went by this car wash and they they just opened and they were having free car washes. And I was like, cool. So I didn't get to return my package, but look, now I got a free car wash. And then I decided that I'll go and stop and get an ice cream. And so I go to get an ice cream and this guy sort of caught me off in line. And it wasn't like mean, we were kind of standing in different places and he probably just didn't see me. So he orders his ice cream and he turns around, he looks at me with dollars and said to like buy me whatever I wanted. <laughs> so I got a free car wash, a free ice cream and $5 in change. I mean, right? Someone could have said, damn it, I forgot that stupid, I forgot to take a picture of that stupid QR code. So how are we looking at things today? Was that like, was I an idiot for forgetting the QR code? Well, maybe, but at the end of the day, it worked out great. I got a free car wash, a free ice cream, and ten bucks, or five bucks. It's great.
0: (laughs) Everything happens for you. Not optimistic to the point of being naive. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. Don't give up. Chris? I have felt calm. I felt really cool just being with you. You're easy to be with. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Just thank you for sharing your wisdom and journey. And everyone out there, check out the podcast, check out the book, and connect with Chris McCarron out there. Just look for chrismccarron.com. Chris, great to see you today. And thank you for being with us.
1: Matt, thank you so much. You're a superstar. I've had a great time.